We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host. Patrick Moran, thank you as always for tuning in, whether you're watching this on the video side, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form. Appreciate you all very much. Today's episode is sponsored by Imperial Pizza, now with two locations, Abbott Road in South Buffalo, 1665 in Main Street. Make sure you go check them out. One of the best places to get pizza or wings, subs, anywhere in all of Western New York. I'm joined as usual at this time this week by my good friend Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. What's going on, Anth? Uh, you know, we were talking for just a, a few minutes before we started rolling here. Last week, we did a, a Bills Chiefs preview, and we're going to get into uh, Buffalo Dallas a lot today. But anyway, last week, we we dropped, we recorded on Wednesday. We dropped the preview on Thursday. And I don't know, within an hour or so after I have it on social media, Tyler Dunn goes and interrupts our our day in our lives with a, a bombshell story on uh, Sean McDermott. How you doing? And um, yeah, that was, that was pretty wild last Thursday. It was wild. And you know what? It feels almost like that we missed a week because, you know, sometimes like, oh, gosh, we miss a week. It feels like there's so much that went by. Mm-hmm. And now we we were together last week and then. uh here we are. This comes out. I mean, gosh, it 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 feels like it wrapped a you know season's worth of emotion and drama and stories and talking points into uh into a three part series from from Tyler. And that was uh yeah, it was that was a week, man. <laughs> it really it took over um, Twitter, social media for sure, last Thursday, and, you know, we're not going to relive all the detail. I'm not saying it's old news because it's still being talked about literally right now as we record this a lot. I just, I don't know, man, it was one of those things, you know, from time to time, we kind of have, you and I, or whether I have other guests on, we talk about social media and Twitter specifically and how it could be really useful, advantageous, and even fun at times. And then at others, how it could just be a big 
nasty cesspool. And I really got into the weeds last week fighting with so many people just on so many different levels when it came to to that article to the point of like like literally mental exhaustion. I I said on my Facebook later uh, last Thursday, I said, dude, I I got to get off Twitter, man. I said, I got I to go on there, post um, links for the show because, you know, I got to promote the show and the links and clips and, and stuff like that. Maybe chime in with a couple thoughts here and there, but stay out of my mentions or such because they were just mute a lot more people like your your guy over at Rumley's Bruce Nolan who's mastered the art of uh of muting people for his own mental health man I just gotta feel like I need to start doing the same thing because holy shit good better indifferent well there is no indifferent good or bad however you feel about what Tyler had to write and the situation and the treatment of McDermott and this and that it was just a it was one of the more polarizing pieces and one of the more polarizing reactions that I've seen from fans in maybe years. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a different kind of week, and I say that. And let's just put the social media part even to the side, right? And sure. kind of the, the cesspool that that continues to become. And where I every day I question to myself why why do I even still have a, a Twitter account? But that's a conversation for another day. Sure, you know I'm a subscriber to Go Long TD. I I really enjoy Tyler's work. Um, the, the pieces that he puts together. And there's some pieces that he has. Uh, I listen to his podcast, some things that I really like and really agree with some things that I don't. Sure. Um, and that's what I like about his work, right? Like Absolutely. I don't want it to just be, Oh, here's someone that I'm, you know, hate listening or hate reading their work, or I just agree with everything that they say. And when the story dropped and reading through the three parts, I was, you know, I think I put it on social media, like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm really glad I subscribe. Like this is a reminder of why why I do this now then of course things you know the hot takes coming out the aggregators grab it like certain things mm -hmm. really get latched onto like the whole 9-11 piece and I have my own thoughts on how that could have come about or whatever the awkwardness with that but you know it was just different because obviously I had been frustrated with the play of the team frustrated with Sean McDermott the late game defensive lapses right that led to losses where you know starting to think to myself like gosh i never thought sean mcdermott had a locker room problem i always just thought it was a, uh, you know him not delivering in the the bigger moments and you start to question and you think to yourself like god is this a is it maybe time and then i messaged you at the end of the week right like I genuinely felt bad for Sean McDermott and a sense sure. of uh, happiness for him, a sense of relief. When you saw that shot during the broadcast on Sunday, like when you knew the Bills were going to win the game, yeah. you know, he's kind of crouched over, he's got his hands on his knees, and you just saw this sigh of relief, like his head dropped. Like, and there might be people listening, like, yes, I get it. He's a head football coach, he's a public figure, you're going to be scrutinized. We do it each week, right? If if he has a blunder or those types of pieces, I get it. But just to a, a human being, you just sure. saw this sense of just like, oh, that week must have just sucked, sucked. Whether it was deserve it or not, or any of those pieces or the timing. But to what you were saying, and then I'll stop rambling. It's just like, you know, fans have been frustrated. I've been frustrated. You've been frustrated. Then that story comes out and it just becomes like, God, now I'm even more frustrated at the the time. And then you take a step back, the team wins, and 
you know, kind of here we are and it's just like, okay, can we just move forward um, at this point and focus on why we, you know, like the team, the football. First of all, there is no rambling in podcasting, Anthony. <laughs> like you're Nate Gary. If you're Nate Gary, there's rambling in podcasting. But otherwise, if your name's not Nate Gary, there Poor is Nate no rambling strays here. In, in, in podcasting. Uh, yeah, you know, going back to McDermott last week, him being hunched over, I talked about a little bit yesterday. The way he looked for like a split second in time, I was waiting for that yellow flag symbol to come on the bottom because yeah. it almost looked... Like he was momentarily like tortured and it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I'm waiting for a flag to come down because he made a fourth down stop. And then after a couple of seconds, I'm looking at the screen, looking at the screen. I'm like, yeah, all right. Then I realized, all right, he's just letting, the, you know, the, the world's been on his shoulders and he's even it's just for a second. He got, he just got it off for a second. And it was a, a moment, you know, waiting to excel. Uh, so that, that, that was really cool. In terms of Tyler in the work he's done. Look, if it's done, if you're sticking to the topic and you could dis disagree with him, that's cool. There's a lot of things. There's some things in that article that I don't agree with. And there's some things about that article that I don't necessarily want to say that I don't, I didn't like, but I wish would have been done differently, including period about 21,000 words or whatever it was. Maybe let's break that up over a couple of days, man. Cause that's just, just too hard to digest. Most of us don't have the attention span for that. Not for one sitting. Like I was really intrigued but that's the whole thing man it's like oh my god holy shit holy shit all right well what's next what's next and i kept going and going and going and next thing you know my thursday was between reading it and fighting with people you know that was gone and um the whole 9 11 thing i i the only reason why i hate i first of all it should have been reported i mean i don't care how long ago it was it's news it matters and it's the first that any of us have heard about it so and obviously it was accurate because it was addressed but what I don't like about that is that that is became the story and it took away from a lot of things that were actually in the article. And I guess what pissed me off the most about reaction from fans and quite frankly, content creators and media to an extent as well is I know Tyler so well, man, and I've known him for a long time and he is a tough nose writer. He will dig, he will get into the weeds he is an old school type of journalist. And this was a deep dive. And maybe you thought he's being too hard on him. That's very fair. Okay. And too critical with certain things. Again, very fair. But what I do know about Tyler Dunn is, which is the irony, he might be the most critical writer when it comes to how he covers something, especially if it's something that he perceives as not good. But he's also quite literally the nicest human being on the face of this earth, which is so weird because he's one of the hardest writers, but one of the nicest people. And again, I've, and dude, I've been blessed to, to get to know so many of these men and women in the media around here, you know, Sal and Matt and, and Jenna. And I keep going out for days and days and days, all these people, great human beings too. Tyler is the nicest dude in the world. So for people to assassinate his character, like they're accusing him of doing with McDermott, just saying, you know, he's a hit piece and he's out to get him, trying to get him fired and this and that. It's just, I guess that's where I really dug my my heels in and, and was going back and forth, people. Because Tyler's not that guy. I know him. I, he's just, he's not that guy. He's one of the most respected sports journalists in this country, not just this market. So it, it was that 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 for me was the most frustrating part.
No, and and again, I can understand that frustration. I understand. I, I understand honestly the frustration on all sides of it. If if you sure. didn't like the piece and you felt like the the timing was horrible and you didn't enjoy it, that's fine. If if you thought like, hey, this you know again, this reaffirms some things that I thought and it's bringing it to light, and things that I don't enjoy there or you know, folks. I mean, I've gotten into with folks before that would be like, oh, Sean McDermott's never going to win a Super Bowl. He's a you know whatever like uh, Marvin Lewis type of coach or Schottenheimer or this and that. And I, I mean, I would go back and forth with people, and then it's like, okay, yeah, this you know, it starts to come about. I mean, it it makes for I don't want to say a great conversation because things get really skewed, but right in a time where all of a sudden it's just like, man, there's a lot to talk about. And in some ways, maybe I'm glad it all did come out on one day. I mean, listen, you could take that, not even just three days worth of work. I mean, you could probably could have made that into six or seven different articles if you, you really wanted to. Sure. Um, but honestly, have it all come out on one day for the most part and let's get through it let's digest it let's talk about it and let's move on like i'm yeah. I, you know what i mean like and and that was i think when again you saw that sense of relief from sean mcdermott on sunday um i think there were a lot of fans that probably felt the same way like okay won the game this week sucked it sucked like the, all of this talk and all this stuff about the team there there's no part of it that was enjoyable for anyone can so we be just yeah no sorry. I was oh, no 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 you're good I was gonna say can we be fair though because I feel like and this is just my own personal opinion but I feel like if Kadarius Tony doesn't line up off sides and the Bills blow yet another one score lead inside of two minutes that the narrative towards Sean McDermott is a hell of a lot different on Sunday night and going into this week I just oh it would. It, it would have completely been been different. I mean, I'm not I'm not looking past any of any of that too. And I think in some right. ways it's like, gosh, this sport, this game, it's so subjective. And I mean, I, I don't even want to get into everything with the penalty, but you know, like there could be things during during any of these games where it's just like they don't pick up the flag against the Patriots. They call a hold against the offense in one of these situations. Like, there's just different things that just happen and there's always a woulda coulda shoulda and this one it just uh it worked out for the bills and it's like you know what we've been through enough shit like oh i i will i will i will take the break going in the bills direction and i'll even take it going in sean mcdermott's direction love him or hate him or frustration or whatever it is like to me that was a little i'm, I'm not a big believer in signs but i think that was a little bit of a sign of just like all right the, the guy the, the guy needed something and uh sure you know what it, it was it should have been called and it was so i'll take it sure absolutely and look you know this article at the end of the day we hear the term bulletin board material all the time and usually it's somebody on another team who's talking shit about your team and that goes up on the bulletin board and sometimes that might galvanize your team i genuinely legitimately believe that at least to some extent this series that tyler put out last week had an effect on the Buffalo Bills and their emotion sure. towards their coach and maybe their, you know, that, that little pep in your step. It, it does matter. That shit matters. I do believe in bulletin board material to an extent. But anyway, what fascinates me the most and why I can't stop talking about this shit, even if is it even at this point what he said about Sean McDermott in, in there or even about just, you know, a lot of the mistakes he's made, whether their relationships with other players or coaches perceived or reported, I should say, at least, or, or in-game blunders. 
stuff like that. But what's, what fascinates me is just the reaction. And I keep talking about fans, but it's not even just fans. And it's media, too. And Tyler put out kind of a, a, a follow-up article. So we're taping this on Wednesday. On Tuesday, it was titled, We Write For You. And he got after the media a little bit. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. And this is coming from somebody, Anthony, who has a tremendous deal of respect for the media. And I'm, they're on this podcast a lot. But in some cases, I kind of agree with Tyler. Let me read one or two things for you. I want to get your reaction. And then we'll get into Buffalo, Dallas. Um, he says, Tyler wrote, and this is from the new article. The 9-11 speech accounted for 474 of the 20,000 plus words. Those most furious about furious about the McDermott problem never even read it. And I believe that, by the way, it's not uncommon for one anecdote to overwhelm an entire story. That's happened more times than I can count. But it is interesting that the local media contingent covering the bills mostly chose to ignore news within the series itself. All but a few completely stared away from even sharing the series, perhaps in fear of either the mob or the team. I don't know. Most all waited for McDermott to speak and then reported on McDermott's words rather than the substance of the series such as McDermott's relationship with his coaches, his relationship with Stefan Diggs in 13 seconds, uh, the Brian Dable dynamic, et cetera, et cetera. And you might say a lot of that's old news, and it's true. But my point is, the, he is right. I mean, I know Matt Perino talked about it on Shout pretty extensively. Uh, Tim Graham, I know he talked about it. But a lot of these reporters just chose to ignore it. And I do believe what Tyler is getting at here that the team would just rather, or, or report some reporters, some media, some content creators even, would just rather uh, ignore it because it could be controversial by talking about it. And if, God forbid, you actually have an, a favorable opinion towards what Tyler put out there, that the fans or the team, the PR department, is going to to come at you. And I got more stuff I could get into from the article, but I don't want to spend a whole you know, episode talking about it. It's just... He, Long story short, man, I, I think Tyler's a little, uh, he's a little annoyed with, with, with some of the media, not just how they cover the team, but, you know, their lack of, uh, I don't want to say support for, for what he put out there, but just kind of ignoring it like it was nothing. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, and, and to each their own, right, I think, when yeah. it comes to that. And, and listen, I don't deal with the Buffalo Bills PR department, so along those lines, like, I don't know what relationships are like. I don't know what relationships are like for some members of the media with Sean McDermott and and what that looks like. There were I'll say there were a couple instances where I was surprised where it's just like, okay, hey, maybe they're just not going to touch this and that's that's their right too. I mean, honestly, I I I, I don't feel like there was anything and I could be wrong, right? Like but talking about things from years past if someone said like Hey, I'm not going to do a ton in covering this. I'm okay with that. I really am. Like it wasn't a it wasn't like oh the Bills PR department obviously got to everyone and no one is is talking about this. I mean the day that it came out, Shopin the Bulldog had Tyler on WGR. Like that's the flagship station for the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, for whatever that is is worth, like yeah. there was there was nothing that came down and said no, you can't have this guy on the air. Or, I don't know, maybe something happened after the fact. Maybe there was an angry phone call or something. And I'm just speculating. I, I literally right. know nothing when it comes to this. But, you know, you talk about it. Um, you know, Perino and Talbot were were on it. The Buffalo Plus team, Mike Catalana, Jenna and Dan. You know, and they were, they were fair, too. About, and they were like, fair. It was, it, was, it was being talked about. I mean, the one thing I guess I'll just say, it's like, 
listen, if there are people that cover the team that don't like what he reported, that is their right too. And that sure. is, you know, and that part is, you know, there were some names that he mentioned in the most recent article. And I, you know, I get that, that part, right. If you, you take umbrage with, with maybe what they said, but um, just like myself as a reader, I don't have to agree with everything that he writes. I don't have to like everything that he writes, you know, somebody else that does the job, they might disagree too, because we can say what we want, right? Like, oh, you're supposed to be objective. You're supposed to this, you cover the team, you do that. This business, everything, at least in my mind, right? It is built on relationships. Yeah. People out there railing on, oh, anonymous sources. Like those are relationships that he has. Tyler's relationships make him great at what he does. And maybe somebody else that covers the team, they have relationships that maybe they didn't love what you wrote. So it's, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying I get it. I do too. I understand in, in today's market is different than the way it used to be. And I think there is a, I don't want to say a dying breed, but it is becoming is. more and more of a, it's becoming more and more of a minority where players or, or, or I should say reporters, media cover a team more, a little bit, I don't want to say harsh, but certainly more critically than now because of a lot of the reasons you know, from access to being able to get certain players to to just not being worth the headache, which the one last thing I do want to read from here, because he talks about that, you know, by and large, uh, he says there are reporters doing extremely good work. Don't get me wrong, but most by and large don't view something like this worth the hassle or headache. The trend has been obvious in the 13 years I've covered the NFL full time. Given the choice, most would rather not become embroiled in the Twitter crossfire for 48 to 72 hours. Threats aren't necessarily fun I, I i again i just i i think he's frustrated that too many people out there just cover this team and they're worried about fans and likes and you know retweets and stuff like that i'm just i don't know i'm just i will continue to defend him as a person for people who are attacking personally let's just leave it at that i mean like you said i, I think you said totally. it perfectly too you know you got you should have a right to have an opinion on the substance of his article it certainly wasn't for everybody. I just, I don't know. I really take issue with with some fans mainly poking at him and, and making it personal, like he's trying oh, totally. to uh, trying to get somebody fired. I just but, none of it. Uh, none of it should be. None of it should be personal. Right. No one I should agree. be. You know. Agree. So agree. it's and according yeah. to him, the timing. I know the timing is the other thing too. You all, you know what the the inspiration to do this, showing that shit hasn't changed, was after they lost at Denver. He said that in an article. He said that on a podcast, you know, so that's when he sat down and really started hammering his home. And the story came out when it got finished and Steve Tasker saying that, you know, he put it out there for personal profit. Well, of course he did, Anthony. This is his life. This is his livelihood. He, yeah. of course, it's his business. He's running a business. Of course he's putting up, you know, if I'm trying to sell ads on this podcast, it's the same thing. This is what we do. I mean, come on, man. That's just dumb. Let's move on because <laughs> there's too many other fun, juicy shit to get into this is a big game from the bills are playing dallas before we get into this current bills team this current dallas team uh we're up there in age a little bit we both know that the bills lost four straight super bowls we both know that two of them were against dallas back to back we were both old enough to to not just read it as an anecdote in history but actually be alive and to, to watch the games and remember wh what's your memory of those two super bowls like how well do you still to this day remember those back-to-back -back Super Bowls against Dallas. Yeah, I, and I'll be honest, I don't remember too much. 
Yeah. Right. I remember, I remember the second one uh, was away at college and there was like a, you know, I wasn't the, uh, you know, as tense as a Bills fan like I am now. Where, you know, today if the Bills go to the Super Bowl, I'm like, I'm sitting by myself in a room watching uh-huh. this game. But, you know, here I am with like all these, you know, guys and girls that I go to college with. And, you know, everybody knows I'm from Rochester and a Bills fan and this and that. And I mean, there was probably like, I don't know, 45 seconds left in the, the game. And I just stood up and walked out the room. And like all the girls that were watching the game with us, I went, oh, Anthony, like, you know, like I was just had this sad look on my face. But as far as like remembering the game itself, I don't remember anything from no. it. And I don't know if it's just because it was, you know, so new in that time and obviously not the social media world and you know, I mean, you'd literally be waiting for the six o'clock news to to get an update or get the news on the team or, you know, read your paper like it was very different than it is today. It wasn't this all-consuming piece. So other than just walking out the room and getting that uh, that sympathy and pity, that's about all I got. <laughs> I remember the first one, which was the Bills' third Super Bowl for younger people out there who may not know that or, or remember. Uh I felt really good going into the game because it was they were going to their third straight Super Bowl. I'm like, all right, law of averages says they're going to win this game. Plus, yeah. that was the year the miracle comeback against Houston at home when they were down 38 to three. That was um the year they went into Pittsburgh and smacked the shit out of them on the road afterwards. So anyway, the Bills were road warriors and then they beat Miami or Miami and Pittsburgh. I think that might have been the order. Don't remember. But anyway, they won three straight games to get into the Super Bowl. And they weren't, they didn't have home field advantage. And I'm, I felt really good going into the game. And I worked at a gas station on the West side called quick Mart or quick fill. I'm sorry, not quick Mart. quick fill. I was working there the day the bills came back and beat Houston. It was not on TV. It was, we were listening on the radio because it was never, you know, I was not one of the 800,000 people who claimed they were in attendance for that game. I was literally working as a cashier at a gas station. Anyway, I remember not being scheduled to work, but wanting to work the Super Bowl because I was so superstitious that because of I was there for the other games, they would carry on to the Dallas game. It didn't. They got their asses kicked, and you knew pretty well early on that that game was going to get ugly, and it surely did. And then the last game, the Bills were actually up at halftime. And then I think it was Thurman who fumbled the very first play of the third quarter. James Washington runs it back for a touchdown, and Oh, there it goes. So anyway, there's a lot of reason. There's a lot of reasons people hate Dallas Cowboys anyway, if you're not a Dallas fan. But uh, for a Bills fan, that's probably uh, those two years are probably the biggest reason why so many Bills fans hate uh, hate the Cowboys, man. But uh, it's a new year. And uh, I really, you know, let, let me say something. I got a kind of a hot take. I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. I don't know that the Bills are going to make the playoffs. I think the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC. I absolutely think they're better than Kansas City. I don't think last week was a fluke. This is now three straight years that they've won into Kansas City and beat them. And it should be four, four straight times, I should say, because of 13 seconds. If it won for 13 seconds, this is four straight times they would beat the Chiefs all on the road, too. I think they're better than the Chiefs. The Bengals are a better football team with Joe Burrows out there. I still believe that, but he's not. Um I, I don't trust Jacksonville. Baltimore's very good, and they might have home field, but I still don't think that their offense could keep up with uh, with the Bills, and I think the Bills' defense could play well enough. And 
Miami's a good team, but they're really wishy-washy. And the Bills play really well against Miami, just like they play really well against Kansas City. I think the Bills are the best team in this conference right now. It's crazy to say that because they're seven and six, but I feel that way. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I can understand why you feel that way. I'm not going to, I'm not there with you yet. And it is so interesting, right? You talk about whatever Al Pacino, any given Sunday, game of inches, this and that. But you think to things, it's like Kansas City very well could have won that game last weekend. Sure. On the same lines, Baltimore Ravens very well could have lost that game to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. And then you talk about Monday night and the debacle finish that it was for the Miami Dolphins, but you could argue they should have won that game too. So it's like this weird flip-flop, right, of like whatever multiverse alternate uh, timeline you know, took place. If those three plays just flip, those three simple plays flip in each of, you know, each of those games, it's like, People aren't down on Miami. They're not down on the Chiefs. Maybe they're questioning the Ravens. Well, right now the Ravens, like, listen, the Ravens just gave up 30-some points to the Rams that have not been scoring like that. But everyone's saying great things about them because they get a punt return for a touchdown to win the game in overtime type of piece. So, I, like I said, I can understand why you're saying it, but I'm just like the AFC is such a weird conundrum of teams and just with everything, it's like, I don't know what to make of, of any of it. I'm not going to say the Bills are the best team, but I could also look at it and say, hey, if the Bills make the playoffs, I still believe they can win the Super Bowl. They just literally have to get in. So maybe I am saying they could be the best team. Everything you said is right, but I still <laughs> say what I, I said what I said, man. The Bills are the best team in the AFC, but I want to be real clear about it. I stand by what I said when the Bills lost to Denver, that they were going to live to regret that game. Hopefully, that means whether it's the division or whether it's getting into the playoffs altogether, whatever it may be, that loss against Denver will come back to bite them. Hopefully, they still make the playoffs. I'm not convinced they're going to make the playoffs. I'll know a lot more Sunday at about 8 p.m., though. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. When it comes to the Bills, the one thing I really like about this football team that's not just an abomination or, or I should say an anomaly, I'm sorry, is the usage of the running backs now since Joe Brady's become offensive coordinator. Number one, Ty Johnson has a role on this team, and I really like it. But even more importantly, James Cook, who put up some good numbers when Ken Dorsey was still the coordinator. I mean, let's not kill Ken Dorsey too much here. But it's the usage and the way he's being used um, with Joe Brady. He has become a big weapon in the passing game. He looks like the, the guy that the Bills wanted in the second round because of his ability to come out and catch the football out of the backfield. Who's the running back from Washington that they tried to sign a couple of years ago? I can't, McKissick. J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. That type of player. A very useful player in this offense, and you're really starting to see it. James Cook, don't look now, but he's becoming like Pro Bowl caliber running back for the Bills. I think he's third in the NFL right now in yards for scrimmage among running backs. Um, so he's having a really good year, and I think that's been a big difference. And Joe Brady is scheming these guys open. Like that touchdown against Kansas City, James Cook was wide open. The wheel route against Philly where Cook just flat out dropped it, wide open, would have been a touchdown. Getting him in some space, letting him make some moves. If there's one thing that Joe Brady's doing that I really like right now with this offense that we really didn't see when Ken Dorsey was the OC, I don't know if you agree with this or not, there might be more, but I just really like the way he's getting Cook involved in the passing game and in the running game too. Like, they're not just all smashing up the middle. You know, I've seen a couple outside sweeps, misdirection counters, stuff like that. That's what I'm liking from Joe Brady right now.
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think from that standpoint, um, more utilization of James Cook, getting a little more creative with him, that part has been been great. Um, utilizing Ty Johnson, that was not happening beforehand. And here's a guy like he can scoot, man. He gets the ball in his hands. He makes something good happen yep. every time that he touches it. And that is certainly that makes a difference, right? Someone that brings that kind of energy with what they're doing. You know, the other piece, I think, too, and you talk about this usage of the running backs, it's working. And right now, I mean, it's an easy talking point to be like, well, yeah, but what's happening with Gabe Davis? What's happening with Shakir? What's happening with Stefan Diggs? Like the wide receivers aren't putting up the numbers. I just say, like, just give it a little time, right? It's an ebb and flow. Like sometimes you have to take what the defense is giving you, this opportunity to get the backs involved. I, could, I don't want to say I can guarantee you what it's not worth anything, but like, as you'll see, these defenses then start to be like, listen, we really have to know where James Cook is at all times. I wouldn't be surprised, right, if you start to see more of a breakout from Stefan Diggs, if Gabriel Davis starts to be a little bit more relevant again, because there's been a little bit of a shift here. It's been working for the Bills. Defenses will start to adjust, and I think we'll start to see those regular pass catchers kind of get back to form. That's one of the um, the big things. My One of my big takeaways from this Kansas City game where the Bills were able to win on the road with literally nothing from Gabe Davis, although he was wide open for what should have been a touchdown and Josh just didn't see him on that play. But anyway, nothing statistically from Gabe. And honestly, a bad game from Stefan Diggs. He had a bad game. He had 11 targets, so it's not like he didn't get thrown the ball. Like Gabe Davis only had two targets the whole game. Uh, Stefan Diggs had 11 targets. They weren't all great throws, of course, but he did have two drops, and one of them was just an inexcusable drop near the end of the game. Could have cost him um, four catches, just 24 yards. Let's give Snead some credit, that Kansas City corner, man. He's one of the best. Um, but he was he was frustrating Diggs. It was, it was not a good game for Diggs. Diggs has been kind of quiet over the last uh, handful of weeks. You, you, you certainly hope and would expect for him to have that breakout game. Because there's certainly... They're not going nowhere if Stefan Diggs is going to keep getting four catches for 24 yards. Let's just be honest about that. They're going to need him. Yeah, but while it's been a little bit quiet, I mean, listen, I remember Diggs, right, what was it, six for 75 and a touchdown against the Eagles, and people might mm -hmm. say, well, 75, that's not that big. But, like, eh, you know, you you pull it all together, like, that's a good day. Like, yeah, the, the late drop, that one was frustrating. And sure. But here's the thing to me that stood out the the most with all of it. Like, yeah, he goes four for 27, 11 targets, couple of drops, not a great day. But for every narrative that's been there about Stefan Diggs, that video clip, him and Josh Allen walking off the field together, yeah. right? Stefan Diggs was happy. It was not a, I didn't get mine, I didn't this. Like, they won the game. There he is with his quarterback. Yep. Like, so I can look at it. It's like, listen, you're going to have games that are going to be great. You're going to have ones that are that are not. As long as they're winning, like that's what I want to see from Stefan Diggs to kind of put all that to bed. Like he's lockstep with his quarterback. He's smiling. He's happy. He's excited about what took place and that they won the game. It has nothing to do with his statistics. That that I was happy to to see. Dude just wants to win, man. He just wants to win. He's already got the bag. He's already got in his money. Yeah. You know, he wants to win football games. He wants to win a championship. And does he want to have 10 catches for 140 yards and two scores in an AFC championship win? Of course he does. But I promise you, 
Stefan Diggs would be just as happy walking off the field of a Buffalo AFC championship victory, having three catches for 34 yards and no scores. The, the reaction and the feeling that he would have about the game would be the same. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think he's a very unselfish player. I, I really do. And for everything I've heard, and I ain't got a bunch of sources. I certainly don't have tied on level sources, but everything I've heard about Stefan Diggs or people who know him, this just, dude just wants to win, man. Just wants to win. One last thing before we get in the deal. We'll take a break, then we'll get into Dallas. But the downside of this game for the Bills from the Kansas City game I'm talking about are two pretty significant injuries. Um, we're taping this Wednesday, so we'll see, you know, some of these day-to-day -day players, how they progress over the next few days. I'm sure we'll find out more about that later on today. But uh, A.J. Epinesa is a week-to-week -week injury with the rib. Had a great interception. Oh. And Mike Hyde, that next stinger is just not going away. It's getting worse. And he got he got it once, went down, tried to get up, and then it happened again late in the first half. He didn't return. Sean McDermott's already said both those guys are week to week. So two big losses on this defense. Uh, I guess it's more Von Miller time. Well, I mean, he did do something at the end of the game. So I, I guess you could football perspective. And I, well, you always have to. When it comes to Vaughn Miller, now we have to say that. Well, from a football side, because we don't want to get into other stuff. But from a football side, finally saw something a little promising in the fourth quarter. Hit a big pressure on that last drive, quarterback hit. Um, but Micah Hyde, I'm concerned about Micah Hyde because I ain't seen nothing from Taylor Rapp this year that tells me that they're going to be fine without Micah Hyde. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see if Taylor Rapp is the one that is going to get the start or not, or if they go with a Campbell Cam. or DeMar Hamlin um, in this in this scenario, kind of as both of those guys fit a little bit more of the mold of who Hyde is, where I see Tyler sure. Rapp more of the, Hoyer. the Jordan Poyer, um, yep. right? And kind of the way they've been doing things where, um, right, like Poyer will, in certain situations, kind of fill a linebacker spot, right. Rapp will come into the game, and, and they'll go with some different looks there. So I don't think Tyler Rapp will be the one to get the start. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, when you talk about the defensive injuries at this point, I'm a little bit resigned to it based on what the defense <laughs> has been. Um, it just Taquan might be back though. If Taquan might be back by the end of the season, man. No. And listen, and that part would be, would be great, but I just look at it and I think to myself and I mean, look at this game, even on Sunday, the bills close things out against the chiefs. They made plays when they needed to, um, and Micah Hyde and AJ Epinesa were not in the game. Other guys stepped up. So it's like, I'm just going to believe that that can still happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I am back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Brumlings. All right, so we talked about Tyler Dunsby's. We talked about the Bills. They are playing a very good football team this Sunday, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is 10-3 and three on the season. They smacked the shit out of the Eagles Sunday night. Uh, they're tied with Philly and Frisco for the best record in the NFC and in the NFL for that matter. Here's the thing, man. They're 7-0 at home, so they're pretty much unbeatable at home, but they're only 3-3 three and three on the road. They lost at Arizona. They lost at Frisco, and they lost earlier in the season against Philly. It's going to be a tough game, man. And I'll tell you right now, if, uh, if the MVP voting concluded today, I think Dak Prescott wins NFL uh, MVP. I think he's he's the front runner right now for sure. Uh, um, let me, 3,505 yards, completing almost 70% of his passes, 28 touchdowns and just six interceptions. Talk about him, man. This is, uh, you know, is going to be a, a formidable task for sure for the Bills defense. Yeah, it'll be formidable. You know, you talk about him being the MVP favorite. I mean, at least as far as quarterbacks go, right? I think you can still make a case for Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey, but yeah. that probably doesn't happen with a non-quarterback in that position. I mean, I, I will say this, and it's like, you know, obviously for this game, of course, want the Bills to win, but like Dak Prescott is an easy guy to root for. You know, you think of injuries that he has gone through in the past, sure. uh, him as a quarterback, just stuff that he does. Like, I like Dak Prescott. I like him a lot. Like, and Good that point. is, um, you know, something that you look at and him as a, a player and the success that he's having this season, you know, with the exception of this upcoming Sunday, I'm happy to see him, him having it because I think it's something that's, that's deserved. And, you know, you talk about, talk about Prescott too, or you talk about Tyler Dunn. I mean, we all know that this was the quarterback that the bills were also looking to draft mm -hmm. back in that, in, in that season, right. Where they ended up with Cardell Jones in, instead. So there's always been this kind of weird link between Dak Prescott and the uh, Buffalo bills as Tyler and Jim Manos talked about on, on their podcast before, but um, he's playing great football, but again, the game is not in Dallas. It's in Buffalo. There is a marked difference between his performance um, either at home or in a dome and being on the road and being in outdoor situations. Weather's not going to be bad, um, but it'll, you know, this will be a chance like he can either really solidify himself as the MVP on Sunday or the Bills can have it where, you know, there might be a few questions there if Buffalo comes out on top. Yeah, dude, MVP is literally a week-to-week -week thing. I, I would have sworn you a week ago Tyreek Hill was going to be the first quarterback or non-quarterback since 2012. I think Adrian Peterson won the, the MVP that year. Are you having a little bit of a heel turn, though? You picked the Eagles a couple weeks ago to win this game. You're rooting for Dak Prescott. What's going on here, man? 
Uh, full disclosure, Dak Prescott is the quarterback on my fantasy football team. Um, <laughs> but along those those same lines, you know, I think back to whatever two seasons ago when Dak, you know, broke his leg and he's there on the cart and it's just like in tears and that piece. It's just like, you know, there are certain quarterbacks in football that you have a lot of respect for. That's a guy I have a lot of respect for as a sure. player, as a leader. Like to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is not an easy job. Nope. When you talk nope. about expectations. And uh, and I don't want to get into the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback and all that type of stuff, but just, you know, the way guys carry themselves. Like I like the way that Dak Prescott carries himself. So yeah. And you're right, man. Playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys is kind of like playing center field for the New York Yankees. You know what I mean? There's a lot of uh a lot of expectations that come with that. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I, just because I say and I think he deserves to win MVP right now, I'm not dissing him necessarily, but there's other quarterbacks in this league that scare me more than he does. And maybe I might feel different if they were Bills were going into Dallas. I'll just leave it at that. But I'll tell you somebody who does scare the shit out of me on the offensive side, that's CeeDee Lamb. He is a phenomenal receiver uh he's got 96 catches this year already 1253 hours and eight touchdowns and they got a really good tight end too and jake ferguson uh 51 catches 570 yards and five scores by the way little props rewind here to the bills defense travis kelsey five catches for 83 yards he really or six catches for 83 yards he didn't destroy the bills like i thought he would however one yard away, Kadarius Tony's foot. Maybe we're singing a different narrative there because that last play was covered, would have covered like 50 something yards. But anyway, my point with Dallas is they got a really great wide receiver. They got an emerging tight end, pretty good offensive line. The running game hasn't been great. Tony Pollard's got under 800 yards. James Cook, quite frankly, has been better than him. Yeah. I, I, everything you said about Dak is correct. I just, I don't know, man. I'm, I, I'm not that scared of him. I'm scared of CeeDee Lamb. I'm especially scared of Michael Parsons. So we got it. You want to talk about him? That dude. No, I don't want to talk about Michael oh, Parsons. Jesus. Oh, man. I mean, no, but like, listen, it is um, the, the interesting thing when you talk about Parsons that I'll be curious to see, like, you know, going back to Sunday's game against the Chiefs, it, I did not think it was a great game for the Bills offensive line. Right. No. A lot of pressure on Josh Allen. You know, again, you're talking about guys like Chris Jones, game record in the backfield. I get it. Michael Parsons, that same type of player. Um, but Josh Allen is like, you know, that type of quarterback that it's just like, okay, if this side of the line breaks down, as long as this side holds up, I can roll out, I can make something happen, I can, you know, get extra yards with my feet, I can do this piece. So it is going to be, um, that's going to be an interesting clash this this weekend, right? Because is it a scenario where it's just like, yeah, this guy can can do whatever he wants to, but 17 is your quarterback and he can do this too. I'm not, I'm not making a prediction that right. you know, that Parsons isn't going to get a couple sacks or anything along those lines. It's just going to be something to watch. hundred percent. 12 and a half sacks he's got this year. He's probably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. Him or TJ Watt or Bosa. One of those three guys I, I think are, are the three best. Um, and then one other player on Dallas individually to really look out for, um, Deron Bland. I don't know why I just drew a blanker. Deron Bland, dude, he's got eight picks. Five yeah. of them have been brought back to the house for a touchdown. He has returned five interceptions for a touchdown. That's already an NFL record. By the way, old friend Stefan Gilmore also plays for the Cowboys. He's the other corner right now. Uh, Diggs is out. He's hurt. But 
bland, dude. Five picks. And then you think, I love me some Josh Allen, man. Josh Allen over this next month, we might be talking about him being MVP at the end of the season. Feasible if the Bills went out. I'm telling you now, it's very feasible. But Josh does as a pension for, for throwing some picks. And this is the wrong dude to be throwing a pick to, man. It's one thing for Josh to turn the ball over. You keep the ball away from this dude. If this ball touches his hands, that can be seven against the Bills, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, it is a talented Cowboys defense. Like, you think of the secondary. I mean, hey, props to Stephon Gilmore still playing good football, right, even at, at this age. You talk about Bland, a playmaker, and what he's he's doing. This is – this game – I mean, this is one of those games, like, being in the 425 window is is great – this should be a primetime game. Like this should be the Sunday night football game because yeah. there is a I, there is an expectations at least from me that there will be like fireworks in this kind of batshit crazy back and forth plays by the defense plays by the offense like just sort of almost a ping ponging back and forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. And before we get to our predictions, I, I got three. I think three keys to the game for the Bills. I want to get your thoughts on these two. Number one is it's critical, I think, to get off to a, a strong start. Get the fans going. You talked about it. Dallas is not the same team on the road as they are at home. And if you can get off to a good start, that crowd is going to be nuts. First of all, it's always nuts in Orchard Park. Secondly, it's going to be cold. Dallas won't like that. The weather's not going to be that bad, but it's going to be cold. It's still going to be cold, man. And this is a huge game for the Bills, and surely the fans know it. Getting off to a strong start, getting the fans involved early in this game, making it difficult for Dak Prescott to be able to communicate, maybe call some audibles at the line, stuff like that. Very, very important. And the Bills, you know, we think of the Buffalo Bills, the 2023 Bills, as a team that's really struggled this season offensively in the first half. But that hasn't been the case now since Brady took over these last three games. They got off to a really good start against the Jets. They, they came out firing against the Eagles. And they scored 14 in the first half against the Chiefs and, and looked good on offense. So they have been starting out pretty good offensively, at least for sure. And uh, I think that's a key, one of the three biggest keys to the game for me is getting out to a fast start and getting this crowd, keeping them. And they'll be there early on, keeping them fired up. That's going to matter. No, a hundred percent. I mean, listen, you, I mean, do you want to get into predictions now or are we nope. like, uh, no, okay. I don't want to jump the gun then because you sort of <laughs> you were putting it on the tee for me, and I was ready. Like, am I supposed to say what I think is supposed to happen here? So, <laughs> not I yet. I'll hold off on those comments. That that's fair. Um, and then, like I said, with respect to Dak, there's two guys, one on each side of the ball, that are just scaring the shit out of me because they could do damage and win the game. And one, C.D. Lamb. So my other key or my second key, whether it's Russ, hopefully as much Russell Douglas as possible, not Christian Benford, whoever it is. Who's got that task? It's limiting CD Lamb. And I'm John McDermott's pretty good. If nothing else, he's pretty good at fighting. You know, this is the player that could kill us. Let's make sure this doesn't happen. So if it's going to take double coverage, some over the top, whatever it's going to be, let Michael Gallup beat you. Let one of these other guys beat you, man. I do not want CD Lamb having nine catches for 160 yards in a, in a score because that could result in a Bills loss. Well, Brandon Cooks is honestly, to your point, right? Brandon Cooks is a guy that concerns me because it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, if you scheme against CeeDee Lamb and, you know, I mean, listen, containing him might be like 
seven catches for 85 yards, right? Like that's not really containing, but you get where I'm going with it. Brandon Cooks has that big playability. He started to come on for them as of these past few weeks, very quiet start to the season, but they have good weapons. The the point I'm making, right? You, I mean, you have the bona fide star. You mentioned Ferguson before, right? Like just kind of that insert random tight end for the Cowboys and, and able to do things that's not giving him enough credit, right? The guy is making plays, but it just, you know, sort of this name that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. They have, they have guys that can, can make plays like this. This is a game that should be a track meet. When you look at their weapons and how they can score and how they've been playing, it, it is going to be, you know, you're going to have to put up some points. Either yeah. team is going to have to put up a lot of points to be able to, to win. Agreed a hundred percent. And then the last thing, Look, I'm not delusional. Michael Parsons is elite. He, like I said a few minutes ago, he's one of the best players in the NFL. Tall task, but the Bills this season have had good success at limiting great edge pass rushers. Uh, Max Crosby earlier in the season, he didn't do nothing for the Raiders. Chase Young, they kind of shut him down when they played Washington earlier. Uh, Bradley Chubb for Miami did nothing. He plays on the edge. And the Bills, like I said, the tackles have had good success. Basically, what I'm saying is don't let this dude eat you alive. He can. Like, the guys who have hurt the Bills the most this season, like Chris Jones last week was just unblockable. Quentin Williams, at least the first time the the Jets played the Bills, he was unblockable. These guys, these interior guys killing the interior of the Bills' offensive line. I feel like the tackles have had a little more success against the edge. But, yeah, man, Mike is going to get one or two plays, but just don't don't let him wreck the game because he can Certainly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh this is going to be one of those two. When you look at a player, right? One player that you can say is a game wrecker on that defensive line and not taking away from anyone else, right? But Micah Parsons is one of one. Um, this will be interesting from a Joe Brady standpoint and like, okay, what he has planned, how he schemes guys open, where he, you know, runs the extra protection to different pieces. Like th- this is going to be a true test for him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into it, man. Game prediction time. I'll let you go first, man. Give me, give me, give me your forecast for this game. And I ain't talking about the weather. All right. I got three, I got three things for you. And I almost jumped into it earlier, but obviously my bad there. Give Um, them to me, man. Let's go. Stefan Diggs is going to be the best wide receiver on the field on Sunday. Ooh, That'd be nice. That's juicy. Okay. At the end of the game, Josh Allen will firmly be back in the MVP race for the NFL. I like where you're going. 31, 28 bills. 31, 28 bills. Yeah, it's going to be a shootout. Like, it is not going to be a Dak Prescott is going to play well. There is going to be plenty of plays that are that are made here. But for the Bills, this is going to be one of those, like, you know, even last weekend, right, as great as I thought Josh Allen played and different things that they did, defense stepping up when they, they needed to. This is going to be that weekend where it kind of falls to the offense, um, kind of like what the finish should have been against the Eagles, right? We're like, hey, the offense makes a play and, and the game is over type of scenario. So that's what I'm going to go with. And uh, yeah, three-part prediction this week. So All right. I like it. I am going to also pick the Bills to win. I think, look, it's not going to be a low-scoring game. I'd be stunned if it's a low-scoring game. For me, the Bills holding them to three instead of seven. I mean, that's obvious for any game and any team, I'm sure. But that really means a lot. And if you could, Dallas is going to get theirs, but maybe that one turnover 
You know, this will be a battle of turnovers, which, to be fair, is completely advantage Dallas going into this game. Again, Dak's got six interceptions. Josh has more than double that this season. But if the Bills can protect the football and not turn it over, I like them to win. I wasn't creative enough to come up with a score. I had him winning by seven, though, because I could picture in my mind Dallas having the ball with some last-ditch chance to, to win the game and, and then the Bills' defense holding. I'm going to go Bills seven. So I'm going to say, let's go something weird. Let's go like 30-23. 30-23. What did you say again? You said 31-28. 31 28. 30, right. 30 is a different number. You don't see that too often. So. No, you don't. No. All right. So 30, 30, 30, 23. I'm going to go. Buffalo Bills win, which, eh, I mean, let's not jump the gun, but let's jump it a little bit. If the Bills win this football game, they're playing the Chargers, who now have no Justin Herbert on the road, and then they're playing the Patriots. Yeah, I don't even want to. I can't even think about a fathom of losing that freaking home to the Patriots. That week 18 game against Miami, worst case is to wrap up a playoff spot. Best case, if Miami just loses one of their next three and they play Dallas and they play at Baltimore, the, the AFC East is still in play if they win this football game. I know. I've done all the math. I've looked at all the things. And then it's like, don't get ahead of yourself, man. Like, not I to agree. sound all like, you know, I, I the next opponent is the most important one. But you, you let's put it this way. After beating the Chiefs on Sunday, now you can see a path, right? Like it was even yes. beforehand. Like, yeah, oh sure, there's a path to the playoffs. Like, path to division. Talk too. to me. Talk to me after the game. Like, yeah. now you can actually look at it, and you know, even if they lose on Sunday, you can still look at it. Yes, it, it will be difficult though. Um, getting ten wins, uh, I'm not sure, but I will say this: ten wins, and if they gotta lose one game, they have to lose one of these last four. This is the game to lose because it's a non-conference loss. You do not want to get – you're going to lose every tiebreaker in the world if you get the six conference losses. So yeah. throw that out there. Anyway, before I let you go, man, one last Dallas Cowboys uh, item here. Long-storied franchise. Who's your favorite and your least favorite Cowboys of all time? Well, I mean, before – and I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I mean, probably would have said Dak Prescott. So I'll go with my second favorite for this, Tony Romo. Um mm -hmm. I always like Tony Romo as a quarterback. I like him as an announcer too, but kind of for the guy coming in, um, you know, whatever, comes out of nowhere, able to take this franchise, and again, not an easy position to to be in. Played hurt. Um, I always thought he was accountable as a quarterback, and I just, I don't know, kind of the gee whiz kind of way he was about himself. Like, I always liked that about Tony Romo. Um, least favorite Dallas Cowboy, and I will preface this by saying as a player, easy, Michael Irvin. I hated <laughs> Michael Irvin, the player. I hated him with the University of Miami. I hated him with the Dallas Cowboys, right? So boisterous and flamboyant. But I will say this, when Michael Irvin, and he was on a show on Fox called The Best Damn Sports Show, period. Yeah, Horrible name, that. but it was him, John, Burke, um, John Saley, a few others. And I used to watch that show every day, and I thought he was great. I thought his passion, I thought his opinions, I thought his work that he did was fantastic. So it was very funny because, you know, usually someone that you just hated as a player, and again, as much as I disliked him, then all of a sudden, you know, becomes this commentator, you you think you're immediately going to to dislike him. But as a player, that, that hands down, no, no questions asked. I'll tell you what, when it comes to Michael Irvin, 
Dallas bias aside when he's on the air, he's one of the best. I think he's one of the best analysts out there. He's one of the best studio pregame, yeah. postgame show people out there for sure. Big fan of his in the studio. Hated him on the field as well. For me, uh, my favorite is, is Tony Dorsett. I now when I was a little kid going up to, from being a little kid all the way through my teenage years, I was obsessed with running backs. Like running all I loved all the running backs. And Tony Dorsett was a smooth running back for the Cowboys, man. One yeah. of my favorite players as a little kid. Didn't like many other Cowboys. So it's not like I have a bunch of people to choose from. My least favorite Dallas Cowboy, and I preface this by making sure I didn't say player because there's tons of players I hate, and I hate so many of them, including Michael Irvin. But it's a tie. I'm cheating a little bit. I hate Jerry Jones, and I hated Jimmy Johnson. Hated them. Especially the years, like I said, some of it admittedly jealousy and and, and sure. envy that they beat the Bills twice in the Super Bowl. But it's like Jimmy Johnson like disrespected the Bills. He just talked down like, like what are they even doing on the field with us? In yeah. both, both Super Bowl game, or at least the first one anyway, because then he left. But yeah, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, it's a tie. So, <laughs> all right, man, that's going to do it for this episode. I really, 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 you know, next week's going to be a Christmas week episode anyway. Dude, let's have a, uh, let's have a victory, man. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here at the end. I usually like kind of be objective and we'll react to whatever we got to react to. F that. Uh, the, the, the Bills got to win this football game, man. It will make Christmas week so much better. There wasn't enough pressure on this game to begin with, Pat. You just now added a whole other layer. So it's all good, man. If the Bills beat the Cowboys, I'm sending Tyler Dunn a text, and I am going to demand that he writes a retraction and that he writes a brand new story that Sean McDermott deserves another extension. <laughs> follow Ant on Twitter at Ant Marino make sure you check out Buffalo Rumblings I'll be back with another episode tomorrow I feel like I say this when I have you on the show sometimes I don't know who my guest is going to be and I don't know what we're going to be talking about but there will be a show tomorrow talk to you later guys Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.